This episode is made possible by our main sponsor, Troy Thompson from LJ Hooker Gun Garland. As you may or may not know, Troy played 156 first grade NRL games for the Canberra Raiders, which means he's a team player and he'll help you tackle all of your home buying and selling goals in the Gun Garland area. Be sure to go with Troy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Life and Sport Podcast. Today, I'm joined by special guest, 2018 AFL Grand Final winner, host of Backchat Podcast, Will Schofield. Thanks for joining us, and how's your day going so far? Good, mate. Thanks for having us. Yeah, over here in Perth, sunny Perth, going beautifully over here, just sitting in Backchat Studios right now. The Grand Final is obviously the elephant in the room, and what are your thoughts on the Swans getting smashed by Geelong? Uh, it was a bit awkward. I did Backchat on Monday. I didn't actually watch a lot of the Grand Final. I had a wedding on um, on the Gold Coast, actually, so... Um, uh, not too far, I don't think, from where you are. Uh, I don't know how many people love the uh, AFL Grand Final on the Gold Coast, so we watched a little <laughs> bit of it. I saw it till quarter time. Look, Sydney, Sydney, unfortunately, um, I, I think they were hoping to play well, um, which which you yep. just can't do in a Grand Final. You you got to really come prepared to win, and it might sound obvious, you know, in saying that, but. I really thought it looked like they they were really hoping to play well and, and thought they could do it, but Geelong knew they could. So that was the difference. Geelong, a yeah. uh, seasoned team in this, they've been uh, playing in finals for you know pretty much every year for the last decade or so. So they're the better side and uh, deserve the win. Your episode earlier this week, you were talking about grand final theories, such as who lets go of the cup last, Sunnies on parade day. Do you think the Sunnies one was the main factor for the outcome of the match? Yeah, absolutely. There was no other uh, deciding factors other than the sunglasses in the parade. Look, there's uh, look, there's different little things that go on. I think the the Premiership Cup one is pretty interesting, and I think everyone, mm-hmm. at least players, know about it. So, you know, watching that one, Parker and Danger, uh, Parker and Selwood were pretty hesitant to let go. Parker ends up letting go, and they lose the game. So, look, say what you want, Geelong the better team, yes, but did they uh, act appropriately before the game? Maybe not. That you know, a lot of a lot of them did have sunglasses on, so. Maybe that one's dead and buried. Uh, the other one's the first goal losers, and Tom yes. Hawkins kicked the first goal, and they win. So let's get started and talk about your actual career, not the bloody grand final. You started playing in Geelong for your junior footy. What was it like growing up there and playing your grassroots footy there? It was pretty good, yeah. I'm a Geelong boy, so I grew up a local footy team in Newtown and Chilwell. Went to school at Geelong College, played footy there, and Oh, it's a, it's a great town, Geelong. Um, you know, pretty much everyone goes for the Cats. So when they do in a premiership like they did on the weekend, it's a pretty big moment for the whole town. Did you follow the Cats growing up? Yeah, I did. Yep. Used to sit about five rows back in the, uh, in the hickey stand right behind where the place used to come on and off. So I was a big Cats fan. I probably am still a bit of a Cats fan, to be honest. I know I played, I played for West Coast for 15 years, but you know, the, I do separate being a player and being a fan. So once I've come of out of the game, I. Do spread the love a fair bit. Geelong was one team. I, I like watching Freo play this year. And Flagmantle shirts are available on backchat.com. Well, that's it. Backchatpodcast.com.au forward slash merch. A lot of merch going on over there. Flagmantle stuff sold out. So it was a fun season to run with Flagmantle this year. Um, they didn't quite get it done, but I'm sure they'll you know bounce back and go again next year. But yeah, look, Geelong was Geelong was a great town to grow up in. Great for kids. Uh, my parents were pretty sacrificial in their lives to make sure I had a, a good upbringing and especially around sport. Talk to us about the night of the draft. How it went for you? Did you already know of any interest from clubs? Ah, uh, no. Last, I mean, back when I was drafted, which was 2006, the end of 2006, it was it wasn't there was no telecast. There was uh, there was radio coverage. So. Had the radio going in the living room. It was during the day. Um, and yeah, look, I, I had no guarantees I was going to get picked up at all. I, I'd been to draft camp. I had some interested clubs, but there was no guarantees. Um, certainly no guarantees to a specific club. So I, I could have sort of gone a- anywhere in the country and end up going to West Coast. So 
it was pretty pretty good club to end up at with you know west coast had just won a flag in 2006 got there at the end of 2006 and got straight into you know a premiership defense basically so um yes opportunities weren't as easy as going to a you know club that you know wasn't going as well but it, 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 i think it, it grew some ability to deal with adversity and and get through you know harder times which sort of served yeah. me well later in my career absolutely and talking about adversity going from geelong over to wa is a big move especially as a youngster what was that like for you personally when you moved over there oh i grew up with a couple of older brothers i got a brother that's older 12 years older and a brother that's 18 years older than me so i was always pretty mature growing up as a kid used to hang around with their friends a lot and i was i was you know i i I think I was pretty happy to move out of home. Um, Geelong would have been the only side that would have left me at home. So I think the chances were that I did move. Um, And to go over to West Coast, yes, it's on the other side of the country, but it's no different to going to Melbourne. You're still away from home and, you know, you you, you learn to grow up pretty quickly. I was drafted as a 17-year-old, but luckily I'd been through school sort of a year early. So I I did graduate in Victoria as a a 17-year-old. Finished my schooling and got straight into it. I, I loved it. Couldn't have been a better club to go to. That's awesome. And obviously they couldn't have been because you ended up winning a flag with West Coast in 2018. But let's talk about very briefly the 2015 season. Minus the grand final, it was a very successful season for West Coast. What was it like for you and the team and staff at that time? Yeah, I wasn't in the side in round one, actually. And um, we'd had one of our key defenders do his knee at the start of that year. Eric McKenzie won the best and fairest in 2014. Did his mm-hmm. knee in the preseason. Um, and I still wasn't first selected round one. So I was, I was, there was a bit of a chip on my shoulder to start that year. Round one, our, uh, I guess our number two key defender, Mitch Brown, goes down with an ACL as well. So we basically lost our top two guys. Um, and Jeremy McGovern and myself were the only two key defenders left on the list, basically. So, wow. um, I'm not saying we carried the club, but we carried the club to a, <laughs> to a grand final. Backman's win premierships is the same. That's how it goes. But, Oh, look, it was a great year. It was probably my most enjoyable year. I know that, you know, the grand final doesn't go how, you know, we would have liked, but um, we played a style of footy that year that was very much player driven. We we helped our mates. We, um, you know, based our game plan on being able to get and, you know, support each other at contests. That was basically it. There wasn't really a game plan. It was go out there and play. So from a playing perspective, it was incredibly enjoyable. We had a really successful year. It was Adam Simpson's second year at the footy club. And yeah, you know, we don't play how we wanted to play in the grand final, which is interesting looking at Sydney this year to see mm. how they'll rebound. Because it took us a couple of years to get going again, um, 16, 17, were years that we didn't probably reach our full potential and took till 2018 to get back to the big dance. And what a big dance to get to. It was against, of course, my beloved Collingwood, but it was a great game to watch the entire game because it could have gone either way. As a fan watching, and obviously you were there in a much different capacity. As a player on the field, what was the game like as much as you can remember from first quarter to final siren? Pour a little liquor out for those Collingwood fans. Even this year, it's <laughs> been hard for you guys. Um, yeah, look, it was... Uh, oh, I, I haven't been really able to replicate that feeling that I had in that game, um, either in sport or life. It was... Uh, we did a lot of work on the mental side of the game. And without going into too much detail, um, it was about getting into a flow state. That game in particular, for me personally... I, you know, just just felt as good as I've ever felt. Never felt like we were going to lose, even when you boys are up by five goals to nothing in that first quarter, which uh, I think many probably would have said, well, game over. But just during the game before we'd won, and I did feel confident that whole game. You know, maybe if it's a bit shorter, you guys hang on and win. But we're coming home pretty strong in the end there. And 
Oh, it was incredibly experienced playing in grand finals, even the losing ones, the memories that I'll have for the rest of my life. And very thankful to be able to, you know, win one and, and, uh, and, and have that premiership medal. But, you know, some guys don't even get the opportunity to compete in one. So very happy to have played in, in two and, and, uh, hang up the boots a couple of years later. That's fair enough. And speaking of the old adage, you got to lose one to win one. Do you believe in that? Um, I do to an extent, but it's, it's not, it doesn't hold true. Um, yeah, you, you don't have to lose one to win one. That's not a fact, but losing one does help winning one. You, you definitely lose, you, you definitely learn a lot in a, in a losing grand final. And it's an unfortunate mm-hmm. lesson to lose, right? Uh, to learn, right? It's, uh, it's difficult. It's, uh, it's embarrassing when you play poorly in a grand final. That's how Sydney will be feeling this year. Some of your accolades include, of course, the 2018 premiership, but also West Coast Life membership in 2015. What was it like for you being awarded that? Yeah. I- uh, I mean, it's, it is special. It's probably one thing that you look back on at the end of your career that you're quite proud on at the time. Um, it sort of comes part and parcel, uh, parcel with what you're doing. 150 games gets you life membership at the footy club. Um, you know, West Coast been a massive support for me. They gave me obviously my first opportunity to play at the level and then support throughout, um, both as a young man, developing me as a person. And then through my latter stages, stages of my career, you know, starting a family and, Going through different things, you know, footy clubs been a you know real strong point in my life. So, owe a lot to West Coast. Um, hopefully, I'll repaid some of that debt with the with the premiership. Um, but you know, they'll obviously be pretty strong in my mind forever. And life memberships are you know a nice cherry on top. And speaking of like you know people that helped during your time at West Coast, let's talk about the coaches and coaching staff. Who do you think had the biggest impact and influence on on you and your career as a youngster at West Coast? Yeah, it's a that's an interesting question. Probably probably guys in the back line. You do spend a lot of time with guys playing in your own position. So yeah. you know, early days, Sam Butler, Bo Waters, both premiership players in two thousand and six. You know, they were younger premiership players, and there were a couple of guys I looked up to. Darren Glass, um, a captain through a lot of my career. And then Shannon Hearn, and more more sort of lessons as a man, and and, and as a footballer, is incredibly consistent as a footballer still is. You know, leadership is still evident um, through his time in the game. And then coaches, you know, Tony Tony McHale was my first ever backline coach. Um, he's he's still doing things here in the Waffle in, in Western Australia. And um, Adrian Hickmott is probably my um you know number one assistant coach alongside Sam Mitchell, and they both find themselves at Hawthorne this year. So yeah, look, I've had some incredibly good mentors across the, across the journey. You can't, you can't get anything done without the help of other people. It doesn't matter. Yeah, of course. People, it doesn't matter how good you are, how talented you are. You do need the help of others. So um, West Coast have all, you know, traditionally been a really strong side in that regard. And they continue to be now, even though their performance hasn't probably reflected it over the last uh, 12 months or so. That's fair enough. And also what was the deciding factor for you to hang up the boots? Oh, it was, uh, I don't know. Yeah, the men, if there's if there's a physical and mental, it was more mental for me, and 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 mm-hmm. more just uh, the fight to compete. I probably lost the desire a little bit. It was a look. I didn't have a you know. I'm not I'm not going to complain, but I, I didn't I didn't have an easy career. I was in and out of the team a lot, and mm-hmm. had to fight for my spot for a lot of a lot of my career. And and you do need to have that fight to be able to play in that position to come in and out of teams to perform regularly. If you have to go back to the second grade and play in the waffle or whatever competition it is. You do have to be mentally on uh, all the time. So if you if you lose any sort of motivation, then it makes it difficult to do that. And I think I, after a tough year with COVID, the first year in 2020, writing was on the wall for me mentally. And I've been you know, pretty content with my decision. Um, been a few moments where I thought, oh, I'd love to still be playing, but they're pretty few and far between, to be honest, and happy to be doing what I'm doing now, which is which is in the media with Back chat, of course, we've met, mentioned that, but you know, doing a lot of work now with Fox Footy Channel Seven um, and, and writing full time with Code Sports now. So, 
um, yeah, I'm really enjoying that aspect. It keeps me enjoy- involved in footy, but I also don't have to put up with some of the bullshit that goes along with the politics <laughs> of the game. Do you not miss the preseason? Because most players don't. Yeah, never loved the preseason. <laughs> um, absolutely not. I love the off-season. That was always fun. Get paid to train and do some travelling around the world, which was incredible. So that's something you definitely miss. Um, that that flexibility, that, you know, the, the, the opportunities you have to travel the world and, and and live a great life. Like, I'm so fortunate to live the, the professional athlete life that I did for, you know, first part of my you know, adult life from 17 to 32 years old. And, you know, now you move on. Yes, I miss pre-season. Oh, sorry, no, I don't miss pre-season. But you do miss, you know, exercising for a living. It, it sounds stupid. You take it for granted and get out and into the real world and you realise how difficult that is. I'm not unfit, but I'm certainly not in great shape at the moment because it's just difficult to, to exercise and, you know, you're working and got kids now and exercise takes a back seat and it used to take the front <laughs> seat. So uh, that's one change that's been... Interesting. Obviously, we've spoken about back chat. What was the motivation behind taking it on more or less full time after you retired? I've, I was always uh, very involved in media through my career, you know, hosting different TV shows. I, d- I did run back chat when I was playing for West Coast, but it was very much a West Coast podcast. Yeah, you know, I, I wanted to reboot back chat once I got out of the system. A lot of shackles come off. You don't have to just speak about West Coast. You don't have to tow any company line. You can speak your mind. And I don't like being told what to do. I don't think anyone does, but I did spend a lot of my life and career in media being told what to say. I can speak my mind, which has been the most enjoyable element. Back chat itself. Yeah, like I said, we ran that, you know, during my time at West Coast, had a year off and then booted it back up in my first year out of footy. It initially just started as a bit of an outlet, but you know, very quickly grew into a, we now employ sort of six and seven people working on the project and it's, you know, become a business, but it really started as, I guess, um, a way to show more insight and alternative to um, traditional media. I, I grew frustrated with a lot of co- a lot of coverage that happens yeah. here, not just in Perth, but across the nation of AFL. It's pretty, you know, a lot of it's junk, to be honest. So I'm not the Messiah. I'm not everything that I say isn't correct, but I do think, um, you know, the whole if you're not first, you're last thing, headline chasing, scandals, you know, I know, I know that might sell papers. And Got some quick fire questions for you. Who was the biggest pest at the club? Oh, Chris Marston. Oh, I mean, he was a di- he was he was officially diagnosed ADHD. Um, he had trouble keeping his mind on things for you know long periods of time, and he was a fidgeter. He was annoying. He was couldn't concentrate, and and uh, yeah, he's one of my best mates. So, how do you like your steak? Oh, rare, mate. Yeah, maybe maybe liked had medium, but rare. Get a bit of blood in you. I'm a medium rare person. I don't like a dry, but I also don't like a mooing. Do you have a beer of choice? Oh, shelter, mate. Absolutely. Shelter. Doesn't matter what it is. Uh, the brewery over here in Western Australia, they'll be coming nationwide and they're big supporters of Backchat over here. So I'd be, you know, that's all I drink. That's like, they got sours, they got lagers, they got XPAs, they got IPAs. Are you an Apple or Android guy? Oh, absolutely. Apple. I did spend probably 12 months over at Android. I had a, like an S6 maybe jumped on yep. the Samsung um, and it was just a horrible 12 months. Yeah, very much on the Apple bandwagon. Got Macs, got iPads, got uh, Fire Phones, every, everything Mac. Hate Windows as well. I'm Windows for computer, but Apple for everything else. What's your favorite movie of all time? Oh, mate, don't do that to me. Oh, look, let's go with, um, you know, if I, I hear these answers from people sometimes and, you know, they think about movies they watched as a 25-year-old. If you're really going to be serious, I think you got to go back to your early days. So I used to go down to the um, Video Easy in Grovedale, which is where I grew up in Victoria, um, and I would hire the two same videos every time. And it would be Major yep. Pain and Robocop. None of this bullshit about 
remember the time. Mine's having Private Ryan. And as you said, back to the childhood, I've been watching that film since I was about eight years old. Uh, I'll give it um, to you. So we just cover movies. What's your favorite type of music? Oh, more, more sort of your rock sort of things, Chili Peppers, Foo Fighters, um, that sort of areas. So I'm pretty easy going with music. That's fair enough. While you were playing, who did you room with on away games? Nah, we got our own rooms. Yep, didn't used to room with uh, anyone. We spent, you know, every second week away from home. So you do need that privacy when you get away as well. Also, when did you announce to the team you were retiring? Because Mitch Robinson this year didn't get a chance to do it himself. Yeah, I found that one a bit of a strange one. I'm not sure what happened mm. there with Mitch. But look, I... I announced it um, before finals. Um, we're, we, you, you remember 2020, we're in and out of hubs, so it was a bit of a shit yeah. show of a year. Um, I think I announced it in the bye week before finals. We are playing week one against Collingwood. Your, your boys yep. ended up knocking us off. I was dropped for that game. I'm not saying I would have helped win, but I would have helped win. You, you blokes uh, end up getting it done with Brody Mychek absolutely exploding with 10 or 11 marks in the forward line, kicking a few goals. So, yeah, I did get a chance to speak to the guys, which is really important. Um, uh, I've seen some... Some media types across the journey over the last few years, especially um, breaking stories around, you know, guys retiring. I do think that as media and as people, as human beings, you do owe it to others to break that sort of news first. So yeah, I did get that opportunity. It was important to me as well. Absolutely. And during your career, who do you think was your inspiration to keep your drive going? Oh, towards the back end, it's family. But got to be honest, um, probably yourself. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think... Yeah, like there's lots of inspiration everywhere you look, you know, good coaches, good family members. And, you know, when you get your family, you know, of your own with kids, that, that becomes a motivator for you. But realistically, I think that's nice and fluffy, but you got to be self-motivated to make it at any level of sport. You know, where it doesn't have to be elite level. It can be state level, it can be amateur level as well. If you want to do it well, I think you have to be self-motivated. I don't know if that's a regular answer, but that's how I feel about it. I agree. You do have to back yourself. So we've covered who the pest was. But who was the quiet one who, you know, also managed to get it done on game day and at training? Oh, I mean, that's probably the guy I mentioned before in Shannon Hearn. He was never a big talk. I never a ranter and raver. I'm just used to be a consistent player. What advice would you give to any youngsters who want to make it in the AFL? Oh, it's, it's, it is changing. The landscape's changing for young young kids coming into the game. If you've got to be more professional these days, I, I don't think it's a good thing. You know, I'd, I'd love to see, uh, you know, more enjoyment elements come back in, you know, making sure you enjoy playing with your mates, you know, having fun, love winning. You know, I, I don't I, I don't, I don't think we should be keeping scores away from kids. I think we should be teaching kids how to win and lose. Yeah, enjoy winning, but hate losing. I mean, it's the way to do it because I agree with you. Kids shouldn't be getting a, particip- a participation award in a game that you either win or lose. Um, and that's not a bad thing. That's that can be that can be transferred to life. You know, a lot of my life lessons have been learned in footy, teamwork, leadership, respect, winning and losing. That that, that happens in life too. If everyone's a winner in life and you get a participation trophy, we'd all be pretty bland. I would have thought so. Uh, yeah, that's my advice: is is you know learn how to you know love to win, learn to hate losing, and and um, and have fun with your mates.